Support for the Claim of Stories podcast and the following message comes from 99designs by Vistaprint. With a worldwide community of more than 150,000 talented freelance designers, 99designs by Vistaprint is the global creative platform that makes it easy for small businesses to work with creative experts and build their brand through custom, memorable design. Learn more at vistaprint.com. Yeah, I, I think what made me just kind of take the leap was just knowing that I honestly wasn't going to truly be happy working anywhere and just kind of just how I am. Like, I was always constantly jumping around, doing different things. Like, it's, it was very easy for me to get bored, and I knew that I always wanted a challenge. I always wanted to be doing, you know, different things, so... You know, that's kind of what freelancing brings. You know, you're working with lots of different clients, mm-hmm. lots of different types of projects. And honestly, I I really wanted, like, my visual style, like, my overall voice and term, um, my vote, my, sorry, I can't talk, no, my fine. voice and tone to be heard. And, you know, within corporate positions, you know, you're, you're you're working on brand guidelines. You're doing what they want you to do. You can't really inject your own style into it. And I think that's kind of what I've been missing from every job that I had taken. Like, I couldn't really see myself. There was no individuality in it. This is Claim of Stories, a show about leading and emerging BIPOC creatives and how they were able to claim their dream careers. Tell me where you want to go, where you want to be. I can help you claim a seat, get you on your feet. I'm Bima, and on today's show, we talk to Jade Purple Brown, an artist and entrepreneur whose client list includes Sephora and Drew Barrymore. Her colorful and retro work is a true representation of what makes her, her. Born in Waukegan, Illinois, Jade's interests have always been visual, whether she was drawing or devouring fashion magazines. Her interests were always aligned with fashion and beauty, and the introduction of Tumblr was a gateway to new references and new discoveries. Deciding to attend college for fashion marketing, she learned that styling as a career wasn't for her. But when she was introduced to InDesign and the rest of the Adobe suite, something inside of her unlocked. She knew what she wanted to do, and instead of switching majors, she decided to focus on teaching herself the core skills of design. After college, Jade moved back home once those refund checks dried up and studied people in design that she really admired, using their portfolios as a guideline to putting her own together. But being back home, Jade got a little too comfortable, and after a chat with her dad, a fire was put under her to get back to perfecting her portfolio, even studying the business side of design, from how to present your work to a client to pricing. With the power of the ever-so-slept-on LinkedIn, she got her first job as an art director at Jim Beam. With just retail experience, she walked in and learned completely on the job. And despite the clash of styles from her personal style to the very dark masculine style of Jim Beam, she held her own. In our conversation ahead, Jade shares a story about growing up with the absence of creative mentors in her life. So growing up in Waukegan, um, it's the complete opposite of my life now. It was very, very slow, wasn't like super busy. Um, It's just very suburban life, you know, very chill. Um, I didn't really have a lot of people in creative fields growing up, so 
I don't know, this sense of what I could do in the future now, you know, wasn't all the way there. So yeah, yeah growing up, I mean, it was fun. It was chill. My life is definitely a lot better now. <laughs> um, but it was just but yeah. different, right? What were yeah, like, it was just a lot different. What was uh, what was the industry out there? What were what did people do for work? Do you recall? You know, people out there, it's like the mentality, or I feel like you know, a lot of older generations where you you go to a company and you stay there for like 30, 40 years. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I was always the kid that was constantly bouncing around in jobs. <laughs> so the complete opposite. Um, but when it comes to jobs and what people would do out there is, you know, it was the stable jobs. Like, I don't know, being an engineer mm-hmm. or I don't know, working in a factory. We have like a lot of factories and stuff in Chicago, Illinois type of area. Um, so I was definitely always encouraged to be creative but I didn't actually have that person in my life who was like really being creative and excelling in their career. So yeah, it just wasn't, it wasn't, I, can't, I guess that example just, it wasn't there for you. Right. And so, yeah. Uh, but, but the community was, I was reading that, that, that area is pretty diverse. Yeah. Like, so like, you mm-hmm. know, I think it was like 19% black and like 50% Latino. Like, did you notice any of that growing up? Yeah, definitely. Like, It's so weird because, yeah, I grew up mostly around Latino people and then I ended up moving to the Bronx. So it wasn't like a culture shift Mm -hmm. um, at all that much. So, yeah, it's a cool area, very diverse. And it was kind of nice because it's like we weren't really like the minority Mm -hmm. there, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm Which that's is kind of how is, it is now. Yeah, which is which is a rare thing. Just thinking about like some of the areas so many of us grow up in, you're just like itching to mm-hmm. like find community and and people that you can relate to. It's uh it's pretty cool to hear that you you grew up in a community where you, you where you would see a little bit of that. Um tell me tell me about your folks. What did they do for work? So my dad was always in like management type of jobs, like business and all that types of stuff. I don't even know. (laughs) Then my mom, she's a personal trainer. Hmm. So both very different. Yeah, completely opposite. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I guess they're both creative in their own ways, you know? Yeah. It's not in a visual sense. Yeah, yeah. And around like 2007, 2008, you were were in high school. Um, And like, what were were some of your interests growing up in, in Waukegan as a kid? Um, my interest growing up was just like pretty much doing the same things I do now. Like I would love to draw very into just fashion magazines. Like I would have subscriptions to every single fashion magazine. I would study the stylist, the photographer. I was very much into that. And then I feel like during the high school phase, it was just like Tumblr. Like that was my life. (laughs) Yeah. And that's how I kind of like started to piece things together and see like, you know, more creative people and just see different things that I didn't see on a normal basis. Yeah. What was, so what was it about Tumblr for you? I I remember those days. I felt like Tumblr was just (laughs) endless with what you could discover. Like it was always like one, one reshare would lead to something else. Like it was just, Mm -hmm. it was sticky. (laughs) Yeah. I I just feel like it like expanded my mind and I just was exposed to so many different things. Mm Even just like music, like I remember finding like Odd Future and Tyler the Creator and be like, oh my God, who are these kids? They're yeah. so weird, but their music is really good. Like all of those like weird little 
groups and hidden treasures within Tumblr. Like, I feel like I was able to realize what I was drawn to, things that I liked, and like just overall finding references to later research. Like, oh, who who are these people? What mm-hmm. do they do? And you know, yeah, what was going on? So uh, mm-hmm. you had mentioned that you were were drawing a little bit as well. Um, were uh-huh. you like? Were you pretty good? Were you just naturally pretty good at that? Or were you just kind of doodling around? Yeah, I feel like I've always been good at drawing. Like, I was the kid in school, like in elementary, where people would pass me their paper and be like, oh, can you draw this part for me? And I would do that. (laughs) So I feel like I was always pretty naturally good. But I feel like when I started to take art seriously and I realized it was a career, that's when I really got better and I would practice, like, all the time seriously. Um, but naturally, just growing up, I was always just drawing girls in cool clothes. Mm-hmm. And now it's kind of evolved to something more concrete. Yeah, totally. When you were uh, when you were also looking through magazines, what what type of magazines were you were you picking up? Some of these fashion magazines. What were they? I loved V Magazine, W Magazine, uh, Vogue. I've always hated Vogue. I like British Vogue. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what's your beef with Vogue? <laughs> I just feel like their editorials are just so uninspiring. Like, the, mm. like I don't know what it is. I feel like they fall flat a lot. Mm. Um, so I've never really been a huge fan of them. Is it also because, like, you know, a lot of their editorial has been absent of diversity for such a long time, too. Like, yeah. It's like you you get an issue and it's like every issue looks the same, yeah. you know, for a while, like back then, especially. I feel like they've stepped it up now, but back in the day, it was just pretty flat. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and so when you were heading out of high school, thinking about about college, what were, were your interests to go into fashion? What, what were you thinking you would you would do after high school? So after high school, like, you know, I was always looking through magazines. I was always looking at fashion editorials. And because I loved that that so much, I was like, oh, I want to be a fashion stylist. And I want to style all of these editorials that I'd always see, you know, as I flip through magazines. Mm-hmm. So because I had that thought process, and of course, my parents were like, yeah, you have to go to school. <laughs> and, you know, styling, you don't really need to go to school. But my parents were like, yeah, you're going to college. Um, so... I decided to study fashion marketing and management just because I thought it would be great to have like a business background mm-hmm. that could help, you know, propel, propel um, the fashion styling career forward. Yeah. How did it how did it go when you because you 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 would uh, attend uh, Illinois Institute of Art. How were you enjoying mm-hmm. that major when you signed up? It was cool. Like, I feel like the biggest thing, I just loved being out of my parents' house and being in the city <laughs> and just having fun. Yeah. Um, but when it came to the actual curriculum, it was cool. Um, I learned a lot of stuff <clears throat> and a lot of stuff I actually use now, which is crazy when it comes to marketing and just like managing my clients and like how I do certain things. I learned a lot of that in school, which I didn't actually think I was going to end up using, but... Mm-hmm. I would say, you know, I was going to school, writing the papers, doing the things, but I wasn't, like, loving it. I wasn't obsessed. I feel like during that time, my goal of fashion styling was kind of, like, wavering out, but I didn't really have a clear plan or a clear thing on what I really wanted to do. 
Um, but I finally did get some direction within my very last year How of did, college. What happened? So I was in like a, I want to say it was like a PR or I don't know, some sort of PR marketing class. And we had to design our um, marketing materials. So like anything mm -hmm. like little brochures, info cards, things like that. Because we were designing those, they taught us the basics of Photoshop, a little bit of Illustrator and InDesign as well. Right. Um, and when I started using those programs, it was just, it just became very natural. Mm. And I was just really good at it. And I just enjoyed using it. And, you know, I was using them to for all of these, you know, student projects. But I discovered, you know what, I really like this. And outside of it, I just started practicing on my own, started creating my own little things and just like going on YouTube, looking at tutorials and like <laughs> really teaching myself how to truly use the programs. Mm. And that's kind of just like when I knew and I was like, wait, like, I love art and design. Like, this is what I need to be focusing on. And it just kind of made sense because I just thought about when I was a kid, how I used to draw all the time mm. and how I like drawing women in cool clothes. And I thought that was, oh, I want to do fashion styling. But I really just like the process of drawing and creating something, you know, fresh and new. Yeah. And, and so you, you discovered this or rediscovered this as a as a senior in college, right? And so yeah. This is at, you know, this is the end. You got, you know, if you had student loans or whatever situation was or if you had to pay for mm -hmm. college, whatever, you've gone through all of these 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 semesters and now what are you thinking? <laughs> like are you thinking you're going to switch majors and like try to get a degree in in graphic design? No, like at that point I was like it's too late. I'm ready to graduate. I'm ready to be done with school because honestly, I'm just not a school person. Mm -hmm. And I just I just needed to graduate. And I'm like, okay, I already have all this student loan debt. I'm not going to go to school for another four years to just get more switch debt. my... Yeah. I was like, no, I'm good on that. Yeah. So instead of, you know, taking the traditional route, I just decided to really focus on myself and just like figure out how to teach myself you know, core skills that I needed. Mm. How are you? How are you figuring out what these skills were? Like, did you have any friends that you knew that that were actually majoring in in graphic design and kind of was just like creating your own curriculum based off of what some of their work was? Yeah, I did have one friend who was um, studying graphic design, and I would ask him questions all the time and just like see what he was doing in his classwork. But I would say I got the most of, like, my inspiration and just, like, piecing things together by just, like, looking at people's portfolios who mm. I really admired and mm -hmm. seeing what types of projects that they were working on, how they were, like, presenting the projects, how they were writing about them. And I just began to just study the people who I was just drawn to. How would you and find then, their portfolios? That part, it's really honestly hard for me to remember, but I think, like, I know one of the people that really inspired me starting off, her name is Leslie David, and she did all of the branding for Glossier. Oh, wow. And I think, yeah, I think I just Googled Glossier because I wanted to know, like, who did it, mm -hmm. and I discovered her. And I honestly feel like Tumblr was probably a part of this, too. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was. 
you know, just finding, you know, people and being exposed to different people who are like really excelling in, you know, graphic design, art direction, creative direction. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how I found them. And I would just kind of just study all of their work, see what I can learn from, read all of the interviews I could find mm. on people and just kind of see like how they started and, you know, how they're doing what they're doing now. You, you seem very driven and, and to take your own initiative in, in figuring out some of these different directions or this, this new interest of yours. Where does that come from? Was Did you have someone that, that told you, like, you should go look up their portfolio, you should go look into YouTube, or is that just was your natural instinct? It was just my natural instinct. Like, I just feel like I had nowhere else to turn, but the internet is, like, the biggest open resource ever. Mm -hmm. You could figure out anything by just like Googling things. So, you know, that's what I did. Wow. And and thinking and knowing that um, designers need portfolios to get work, right? I think that's what, what you're saying is like, you need to show what you're capable of doing, um, especially as a young designer, because you hadn't had anything out there for people to, to, to know and trust, like you're, you're good for this work. Um, being someone that wasn't gonna graduate with that traditional degree, um, how'd you go about putting together a portfolio? How'd you know, I guess, or decide what you wanted to put in there? Yeah, so how I was able to kind of piece things together was just by looking at what other people were doing, kind of identifying what key projects they had in their portfolio. Mm. So I would see like, okay, this person has a lot of branding. Um, this person has like packaging design. Mm. So I would just kind of, you know, look through and see and just try to figure out, like, at the time, what type of career I wanted. Yeah. And then just kind of worked backwards. And I would just create my own self-initiated projects because I didn't have any clients. Nobody was asking me to design anything at the time. So I would just create my own projects for, you know, non-existing brands. But <laughs> I just kind of <laughs> pieced it together so it people could really understand, like, okay, like, she has an eye. She might not be getting every single thing right, but like, you know, just kind of like putting out my overall aesthetic, my vision, and just kind of like putting that out there. Right, right. Because, I mean, it, it's better to actually put work out there than to just be sitting there, you know, waiting for the right thing or what have you. For, for you, um, what were some of these things that you were creating? Did you like create your own like fake branding or, or packaging or something like that? Yeah, like I know at the time I had like a fake magazine. <laughs> so I did like a fake magazine so I could show like editorial layouts. Um, I remember at the time, I feel like I had like some just like cool, like digital experimental type of art. Because there was this one guy, his name is Leaf Pajaski, and he like really um, does like a lot of album covers and a lot mm -hmm. of experimental stuff. So I had that in there and it was like very collage -y, very weird, but cool. <laughs> and then I also had like stuff like e-commerce design. Like I would like create ads, like fashion ads uh, that you would like see as you're scrolling on a website. Mm -hmm. I would create that because I'm like, okay, like I could probably get hired to do like e-commerce, you know, graphics and for emails and newsletters. So let me do that. Right. So. I don't know. I just tried to piece projects together where I could see myself potentially getting hired to do just that. Mm, so you were intentionally trying to do projects to essentially put out as portfolio pieces to try to attract like job opportunities, right? 
Yeah, because it's just like I had nothing coming my way and I had, you know, I just had to create something to attract attention. So that was my, you know, first portfolio. And where where were you sharing this work? Were you putting that on Tumblr or did you have a website? Where was it going? Yeah, so I had a website. Um, I remember I also would share on Twitter. When I was actually on Twitter at the time, I would share my work as I created stuff, Mm -hmm. which was helpful. And then just LinkedIn, Mm. just sharing my work. Mm. consistently a lot of people don't don't know about linkedin and how it's super helpful to connect with folks and actually show your work like so many people are on linkedin so helpful like i feel like that's like what people should even be using more than instagram because Mm. you know everybody who is on there not everybody but like a big portion of the people who are following you they have hiring power they have the money they have the budgets they're the ones who are in meetings every day, you know, looking for creatives to work with. So if they remember your post on LinkedIn, they might, you know, bring up your name in the next meeting. So uh, that's really good insight. It's like because LinkedIn already comes with the preface of what it is. It's meant for networking, for business, for connections. And, mm-hmm. you know, as a creative, to your point, you know, the people that make those decisions, they they, they live on that platform. Right. Um, yeah. And they want to discover new people, you know, totally, <laughs> especially mm-hmm. right now. Um, take me to take me to 2014. This is like you're finishing up school. And you know you you're on this track where you you want to get work as a graphic designer, um, but you you ended up moving back home to to Waukegan. What was mm-hmm. going on? Yeah, I moved back home. I was done with college. I stopped getting what are those checks called to pay? You know what I'm saying? Like um, to pay for your to pay for your um, housing, oh, you get a little like extra money or. Um... I don't know. I shouldn't have been spending that money, though, because I had to pay all of it back. But those checks stopped coming in to pay to pay for my college and to pay for my housing. Yeah. So I had no choice but to move home. Um, and I, I was I was working at the time. I had retail jobs and whatnot, but not enough to, you know, really survive. Yeah. Um, and especially since I didn't know when my, you know, real full-time job was going to come from because I was still trying to figure out graphic design. So I moved back home. My parents were happy to have me back. You know, <laughs> that was that was really good because, you know, a lot of people don't have the opportunity to, to move go back. back home. Yeah, a lot of times yeah. people don't have anything to go back to. Like mm-hmm. college or whatever that thing is, is their way out and there's no turning yeah. back. Yeah, so I just I just took it for what it was and I just realized, you know what? Like you're you're saving a lot of money. Be happy. Mm. Like of course I wanted to be on my own, have my own apartment again and you know just like be free, but I was financially free for a while, so that was good enough for me. <laughs> and so what, what how are you spending your time? Are you just hanging out at, at home or or did you have like a, a retail gig? Like how are you spending time? I I got to imagine your parents mm-hmm. are like, you got to do something, Jade. <laughs> yeah, like I remember, like I feel like for like the first few weeks or maybe even the first month, like I was just kind of just chilling. Mm-hmm. But then my dad told me, he, we kind of had a conversation. He was like, I need you to like get up and, you know, do something. Like you can't just, you know, sit here and coast, you know? And he was just like, I need you to get up in the morning. I need you to get dressed. You'll feel better. Like I need you to look for jobs. And he was like, even if you're not looking for a job, like work on your portfolio. Mm. Um, and, you know, that's what I started to do. Like I would spend every time, ta- every day, you know, working on my portfolio. 
I was getting a lot of books at the time that kind of taught me how to even like price my work. Mm, that's um, super important. Yeah, learning how to price my work, learning process, just how, you know, people present their work. I feel like there was like a book called like Love Design or Work for Money, Love Design, something like that. But it kind of taught you like, you know, to make your passions profitable. Mm. And I was kind of just learning like, you know, okay, this is how people price out their work. This is how not to get screwed over. So <laughs> I was learning all of those things while, you know, making my portfolio even stronger. And then also just like going on YouTube and learning tutorials, you know, and just brushing up on skills and like learning the right verbiage and, you know, how to like say things properly even. Because that's mm -hmm. a whole thing I had to get over, like just learning all of the names to the tools, how mm -hmm. to, you know actually speak about these things in a professional manner. So, yeah. So you definitely, so you weren't just, just hanging around. You had this conversation with dad. And, uh, and so you're, you're obviously, you know, continuing to practice your skill set as a graphic designer and you're, you're also applying for jobs, right? Like at this time. Yes. Applying to jobs. Like, I feel like my biggest thing at the time was applying to jobs through LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. And a lot of those jobs, like, I didn't understand at the time were, like, recruiter-based, like, agencies. So they'd be looking for creatives all of the time. Um, just people who did different things. And then when a job pops up, they'd be like, oh, we have Jade, and here's her portfolio. Do you like her? Hmm. Um, and that's how I got my very first job. So wait, so tell me about this. So... Mm -hmm. These recruiters are just looking through portfolios and they're just looking at the work because your does your portfolio say anything about like how many years of experience you have or it just shows your projects? Man, <laughs> I don't know what my portfolio said at the time. There's a whole bunch of lies, probably. I don't I, I'm pretty sure I just said like, hi, my name is Jade Purple Brown. I'm an art director, graphic designer, creative director, yada, yada, yada. And I specialize in fashion and beauty. And like it probably said a whole bunch of stuff, knowing I had no clients at all. <laughs> so, but, but so this this, but it it got attention, right? Because you ended up you ended up landing a landing a role. So, what what role did you end up landing um, from this portfolio? What was that first gig? <laughs> so my very first gig, no one believes me when I tell them this, but it was as an art director. Your very first for, gig out of school is an art director. And who was it for? Which I had Jim Beam, the whiskey company. <laughs> so it was insane. So how I was an you? art director. I don't know. How how old are you when you first graduate? I, I don't think know. like 21, 22, 23. Yeah, I had something like yeah, that. Yeah, I was like probably 21, 22. So super as an young. art as an art director. And, you know, had no junior graphic design roles. And, no, just I'm just an art director. <laughs> <laughs> and so how's it going? Tell me, how, how's this go? Um, not well, but well. <laughs> so, <laughs> what do you mean? You know, <laughs> so, you know, I got this job as an art director. At the time, I honestly did not know what an art director was. I couldn't tell you the difference between an art director and a creative director. I, Honestly, I remember the the night before my first day Googling, trying to figure out, like, what am I going to even be doing exactly? But, you know, I was, you know, I was scared. But at the same time, in the back of my head, I just told myself, you just need a foot in, you know, and mm -hmm. this is it. 
Like once I have something on my resume, like I had nothing, all I had was retail experience. Mm-hmm. Once I have this one thing on my resume, it's going to help me get to the next thing. Right. So even though I was super scared, super nervous, I just told myself that what is the worst that can happen? At least you have this experience now. Mm. Um, so of course I walk into Jim Beam, super nervous, had no clue what I was doing. So basically I was an art director for for their social media um, end, and I was directing shoots for okay. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, mm-hmm. you know, ads and just like, you know, normal content for engagement. Right. And, you know, if anybody knows my work, my work is super feminine, you know, super colorful, super just like very expressive, girly, mm-hmm. whatever, like the complete opposite of Jim Beam. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> but you weren't so making a alone, distinction, right? You were like, I'm, this is what I'm doing with this. <laughs> yeah, like I just had to have something. So, you know, that was hard to begin with. You know, it's a completely different aesthetic, different mm-hmm. mindset that I'm, you know, used to even thinking. So that was tough. But during that job, you know, it was great because I slowly, you know, started to piece things together. Mm. You know, at first it was it was very difficult. Like I was learning as I went because I remember even in the beginning, I wasn't art directing quite at first. They just had me look um, editing and updating different packaging design. Okay. And when I tell you I was learning as I went, I would be in there in the office, not knowing what I was doing, come home, Google everything figure out how to, you know, work in design and illustrator and like just piecing things together as I want. Mm. And some days it was super scary. Some days were easier than others, but I just knew I had to push through. When we come back, change hits Jade and she packs up and heads to the Bronx. For this week's 99 Days of Design feature, let's hear from Mariana Shepard, founder of Mariana Shepard Studio. As she prepares for what's next, Mariana shares her experience working with 99designs to reimagine her brand identity. My name is Mariana Shepard, and I'm the owner of uh, Mariana Shepard Studio. My work is chiefly uh, in photography. My imagery sort of ebbs and flows between street and commercial, with a little bit of conceptual here and there. I have a passion for storytelling. And I really like to lean into that with my photography. Uh, I like for my subjects to be part of a story. I've been shooting since I was about 16 years old and my dad was the one to actually introduce me to the medium. And I've been shooting professionally for about a little over a decade. My business started uh, pretty much organically. I'm the go-to photographer amongst my friends and family. So when folks would ask them for recommendations for photographers, they would just send them over my way. Uh, this was way before IG, so finding a decent photographer wasn't the easiest of tasks. And to that same end, I didn't really see a lot of Black women photographers creating work professionally. But that isn't to say that they didn't exist at the times. It just didn't come, I didn't come across many. Uh, so I really moved into creating my business because I saw that need and I wanted to fill it. At the beginning of the pandemic, I put the majority of my shooting on pause, mainly for safety reasons. There were so many unknowns and I really didn't feel comfortable being out uh, shooting. And I really didn't want to put my clients in compromising situations. But a few months in, I restarted working, uh, picked up some commercial work, 
that really allowed me to work safely within my studio space. So that was really great. Uh, all in all, it's been it's been kind of slow. Uh, the clients are fewer, and the nature of the work has definitely shifted in more studio work. Um, but I see that it's slowly sort of creeping back up. I'm really looking forward to the expansion of my business. And I have to say, working with 99designs has sort of um, reinforced that need for me to expand my portfolio and think about sort of long-term what I want the photography part of my business to evolve into. Um, Hence me changing the name from Mariana Shepherd Photography to Mariana Shepherd Studio. And I actually didn't get that idea until I began the process with 99designs. I wasn't really thinking too deeply about my visual identity, much less what I want the business to look like in the future because I'm so tied into the day-to-day that I don't have the space, time, or energy to think about the future. Um, so it, it really like sort of put me into this mental space of thinking about like, how do I expand it? Because like my own desires have changed. Like I like taking pictures of cakes. And that doesn't mix well with street photography. <laughs> so it's like, how do I, how can I be all these things within my brand and still have a brand that represents me and all of the variations of what I can offer? The whole process has just been so exciting uh, because for starters, like I wasn't thinking about what goes into brand identity in terms of colors and textures and the movement of uh, text. I like text-based designs. And so it really forced me to think through what or how those elements tie into what people think about when they see my logo. I mean, they have so many talented designers that the beginning process was a bit overwhelming. Um, But as I sort of got more comfortable and found a rhythm to the process, uh, I was able to give direction and feedback in a way that was useful for them and for what it is that I ultimately wanted. We just finalized my uh, my logo and I'm so excited about it. I absolutely love it. Um, I literally told my designer, I love it and you, uh, <laughs> because I was just so excited just to see how far we've gotten from like just the initial brief to the final product. Um, but all in all, it was just a really fun, exciting, um, wonderful experience to go through. I want to put the money toward a creative studio. And what I mean by that, I have a traditional home studio with, you know, the typical backdrop stands, camera lenses, cameras, things like that. But because I've expanded how I'm thinking about my brand, I want my studio to be able to reflect that. So what that means is purchasing things like equipment. Um, Like I said, I'm interested in food photography, things so that I can properly capture food photography, all of the elements so that I can be able to produce on a level that matches where it is that I want to go with my business. That was Mariana Shepard, founder of Mariana Shepard Studio. Learn more about 99 Days of Design a 99 Designs by Vistaprint initiative at 99designs.com slash 99 days of design. Hey, it's Bima. Welcome back to Claim of Stories. 
It's 2014, and Jade is working as a creative director at Jim Beam in a predominantly white space. It was it was super difficult. Mm. I would say there was only one other black person working there. Mm. And then the majority of it was male. Mm. So it was a very difficult environment. And you know, a lot of people were condescending. You know, I'm a black, I'm black, I'm a woman, and I'm super young. So I know a lot of them were like, how'd she get this job? I'm wondering the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it, it, it was difficult, you yeah. know? And I, I had to learn a lot very quickly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you were on this in this role for about eight months and mm-hmm. that that job came to an end quite abruptly. I think we would say uh, what happened? Yes. So I was on a photo shoot at the time out of state. I think it was in it wasn't just in Wisconsin, which is really close to Chicago. Mm-hmm. So I was on set, you know, helping out, doing whatever. And then I get a call from the my boss basically firing me hmm. while I'm on the shoot. So I'm like, okay, that's not very smart from his standpoint. You know, I could just leave, right? But right. okay. <laughs> but yeah, he fires me basically. I don't even think he even really took the time to explain why. Hmm. I mean, I knew I wasn't the greatest, if I'm being honest, mm-hmm. but I felt like I, you know, you know, I should have gotten that respect to be told in person and not just over a phone call, like a yeah. quick, you know, five minute phone call. But that's how it happened. And, you know, I was upset. And I remember I sat down and I emailed his direct boss and I was like, <laughs> yeah, so this happened. And I don't find that, you know, very professional. I understand if you guys don't want to work with me anymore, yada, yada, yada. But come on, you don't just, you know, call somebody and fire them right. on a shoot. On a shoot is very weird. You know. Yeah, super weird. Um, so that email got sent out. I came in like the following um, Monday, and that's when I talked to dude who fired me, and he was just, he was very, you know, condescending, very rude, and pretty much said in so many words, like, I don't know if this is for you. Mm. Um, and at the time, I th- I feel like that really hurt me, but I knew that he was wrong. Mm. You know, it just really hurt me that somebody had the audacity to tell me that. To tell like, me wow, it wasn't it wasn't for me. For me, right? I mean, that's such a it's such a strange thing to to share with someone, especially a young mm-hmm. person. Um, yeah, so you discouraging. Yeah, it could be super discouraging. Completely take them off their track. You know, it it it. You know, the reason why we do what we do today is because we're trying to offer different perspectives to to young creatives, all creatives. Honestly, we all need inspiration. And it's so mm-hmm. many things like, you know, COVID, that's something that can knock us off our track, right? And But to have yeah. someone to come say, to have the, I would say, audacity to tell you you can't do something is, is quite bizarre. Yeah, like that really, it, it messed me up for a minute, but then I just thought about it and I was like, you know what? I got what I needed. Mm. I got the little credit on my resume that said I worked here for eight months. <laughs> now I could, you know, find something else that I'm in even better fit for because I knew, you know, I wasn't the best fit for the job. You know, every day, you know, it wasn't super easy. It was hard, but I took it for what it was. Right, right. Now. After that, after that role, I would say for between 2015 to 2017, 
uh, you you would bounce around a little bit from a couple of different uh, different gigs. And yes. And you you know by 2017 you had decided you were gonna move to New York. Um, was there something you'd been wanting to do out there? What what led you to move to New York? Yeah. So. When it comes to New York, it's just the whole fashion thing again. I always mm. loved fashion and beauty. And when it comes to Chicago, we don't really have op- opportunities in those fields. It's more like advertising yes. um, out there. So I knew if I wanted to get those types of opportunities, like I just had to move. Like there was no way, you know, around it. So that's what I did. So what was that first, like, did you just immediately find something out there or had you been taking different trips to New York? Like, what was what was that? Um, what was that process like? Yeah, so I was taking, you know, how I discovered I wanted to live in New York is my dad, he had a work trip out there. Okay. And he was like, hey, like, the hotel is paid for. If you want to tag along, you could come. And that was of my, course. you know, my very first time. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I'm coming. So I went out there. I loved it. And you know, just still in the back of my head, like, oh, I want to work in fashion. I wanted, um, you know, work in beauty, you know, all of these things. And I was just kind of like in a standstill at my old Mm. job, just knowing like, this isn't it. Like, I'm not Mm -hmm. trying to be here for the next 30, 40 years, like everybody else (laughs) around me, like, and also just like knowing like, you know, I'm young. This is the time to do it. Like, if I want to mess up, this is it. Because what's the worst that can happen? I move back home. I move back home. Like, I'm already home. So, (laughs) you know, living with my parents. So, you know, I just decided to go for it. Yeah. And so you you end up moving. You, You move to the Bronx. You get this one bedroom. And mm-hmm. you know you you paying rent and all that stuff. Did you have a, a job when you moved out there? Like, how, what was going on? I did not have a job. So, so you're paying out of savings. Yeah, I had my savings because you know I was home for a while, so I was able to really stack. So in mm. my mind, I was like, you know, I could be good for like a year. I'm not going to be eating the best, dressing the best, doing everything I want, but I could live for like a year. <laughs> so I knew that in my head. So that kind of gave me the confidence to just move. But during that time, I kind of had like some interviews lined up. Okay. So I knew that I should get at least one of them. Right. And if I didn't, I would have a little wiggle room to figure things out. Right. And so did you did you end up landing something? Yeah. So my very first job was, well, my very first job in New York um was as an art director for macy's okay so yeah that was like a super cool start yeah yeah how'd you like it um when it comes to any job i don't love it it was definitely (laughs) (laughs) anywhere i have to wake up and come in you know it's not the greatest for me and who i am personally how i work but it was a great experience at the time because i was like upper east side like the New York, New York looking that I would always dream about seeing sex in the city, mm-hmm. see all of the fashionable women walking down the street, just killing it. Like I was in that area. So it was like a very inspiring, you know, at the time. Yeah. Um, and just like coming into work and just like, even just like getting on the subway train, like it was an adventure. Like, you know, those first few years of living here, it was like very movie-like. Um, and then when it came to the overall job, like, it, w- it was cool. Like, it wasn't, like, amazing. 
Um, but it was great for me to even learn like processes, how people mm. filed things, how mm. people communicated, you know, via email, just like the dynamic with coworkers was like completely different from Chicago. Mm. Like it was just, it was just like a new vibe. Yeah, it's completely new. I mean, different person, different characters, right? Different, like everything's mm-hmm. everything's different there. And so, you're you're an art director at Macy's, and then you would also go um, work over at uh, Moroccan Oil, right? Yes. Yeah. So tell- that was like my last real job, um, and that was that was a really cool opportunity. That was the longest job I've ever had. I think it was like almost two years. Mm-hmm. Um, but I worked as a digital designer, doing a lot of their emails, um, social media graphics, things like that. And then near the tail end, I was an art director and I art directed all of their social media shoots. Wow. And so it sounds like you, you actually, I know you ran into that situation with Jim Beam, but ultimately it sounds like you found like you actually did like that role and it actually did suit you. (laughs) Definitely. Like being able to work for a beauty company you know, in a woman's voice, like, you know, it was just a lot easier. And honestly, from all of the things I learned from Jim Bean, I was able to use, you know, at Moroccan Oil. So it kind of just worked out. Kind of worked out. Now, you know, you had mentioned that that was your longest stint from the corporate side, having a quote unquote job. Um, and ultimately you decided to leave and, and start to, to go the route of an entrepreneur. But what was, um, what did you ultimately learn about yourself that allowed you to go on that path because so many of us we you know we have kind of this pressure either from parents or society that you know we have Mm -hmm. to go work a a corporate job in order to be successful but it sounds like for you you didn't have kind of that that pressure on you yeah I I think what made me just kind of take the leap was just knowing that I honestly wasn't going to truly be happy working anywhere and just kind of just how I am like I was always constantly jumping around doing different things like it's it was very easy for me to get bored and I knew that I always wanted a challenge I always wanted to be doing you know different things so you know that's kind of what freelancing brings you know you're working with lots of different clients Mm -hmm. lots of different types of projects and honestly I I really wanted like my visual style, like my overall voice and turn, um, my vote, my, sorry, I can't talk, oh, my fine. voice and tone to be heard. And, you know, within corporate positions, you know, you're, you're, you're working on brand guidelines. You're doing mm-hmm. what they want you to do. You can't really inject your own style into it. And mm-hmm. I think that's kind of what I've been missing from every job that I had taken. Like I couldn't really see myself. There was no individuality in it. Right. And did you know any any people that had gone the the freelance route that were that were doing well that you could, you know, communicate with or, or use as examples or or were you going at it um kind of on your own again? Um at this point I feel like this is when like it was no more Tumblr but Instagram. So I okay. saw a lot of working, you know, artists just like doing a lot of great things and I just kind of showed myself like, you know what, like they're doing it. I can do it too. And I kind of had the same mentality again that I was kind of having about like, oh, if I New York doesn't work, I could just move home. I told myself, well, you know what? If, you know, working um, independently doesn't work, I can always just, you know, get a job. Get a job. I could always <laughs> go back to corporate. Like it's not, 
as scary as you kind of like work it out in your brain to be. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's what I you know told myself. And so how did you start to kind of build this path? You you had mentioned Instagram. How are you how are you using Instagram? Yeah, so at the time when I was working in Moroccan oil, I would say maybe like my sec- during my second year of working there, mm-hmm. I really told myself, you know what, like I really do, you know, want to be freelance. But in order to break out on my own and work for myself, you know, I have to build some momentum. I can't just, mm. you know, dip and leave and just think that <laughs> things are going to come to me. Right, right. Like you leave and the next day you, you got opportunities. Doesn't necessarily work that way. Yeah, so I knew I had to work at building my own clientele. And one way that I did that was just creating personal pieces and just putting them out there. So Mm. I challenged myself for, I want to say like a year, maybe a year and a half to create two personal pieces a week Mm. and just share it on Instagram. Oh, wow. Um, And, you know, it's, you know, very simple, but like actually, you know, keeping up and being consistent and putting out, you know, quality work Mm -hmm. you know it's tough to do it consecutively but that's what I did um and I would also just like use hashtags that were like graphic designer female artist you know and slowly but surely I started getting contacted by different brands and you know my work just started traveling because you know people would repost my work people would tag me oh wow um and I just you know just by putting myself out there things just started to grow. Mm. And so at this time, as you're you're putting things out there, you know, one thing that you had mentioned is that your your work is extremely visual, it's colorful, you know, it's it's, it's super feminine. It's, it's, it's incredible work. How did you start to develop this style? Like, where did that come from? Yeah, like, I feel like my overall style, you know, was happening at the same time of me just sharing my work on Instagram. Like, within every single piece that I would do, I would just kind of study it and figure out like, okay, what are the key elements that you really like about this piece? Mm. You know, what could you have done better? What do you not really like? Like, just trying to make sure my art looked and felt like me when Mm -hmm. I looked at it. So I would identify those key things. And with everything I learned from the last piece, I would cycle it through the next piece. So If it was like, oh, I really love this composition. I love these, you know, how these colors interact with each other. Okay, let me try to do it in the next piece, but do it differently. Kind of build on to it. Right. And I just kept doing that until, you know, I landed on something that I really loved. Mm, and really felt authentically like this is you and, you know, no one yeah. else is, is, is doing this. Did you have any influences of um, designers that you, you looked up to and maybe still look up to? Yeah, definitely. Like, um... Malika Favre, I think that's how you pronounce her last name. Um, she's a illustrator. It's very graphic, bold, very feminine. I loved looking at her work. Um, also, this woman, her name is Olympia Zagnoli, I want to say how you pronounce her last name. Also an illustrator, very fun, graphic, you know, playful work. And then just like overall, like going back to my fashion roots, Hmm. you know, always loving fashion, always loving fashion editorials, always loving like drawing women and like badass clothing. You know, I just kind of pulled all of those references in that I've been studying, you know, pretty much all of my life into Mm -hmm. my work as well. Wow. 
And so you're, you know, I, you've developed your your style, your look, and you're continuing to grow on Instagram because you're posting twice a day and, and folks are, are reaching out to you. And I know growing up, you you always had this love for, for fashion and beauty that you, you still have very passionate today. Um, and around 2019, you'd, you'd land a project that was pretty, pretty big, which was uh, Sephora, um, spanning retail as well as events. Um, can you tell me a little bit about how you first landed that opportunity? How'd that come your way? Yeah, honestly, that was crazy. Like, I still remember it like it was yesterday. It was at night. I received the email. I looked at my phone and I was like, is this real? I called my dad all excited and everything, <laughs> but I just, I just couldn't believe it. Like, that's such a huge retailer. Like, everybody knows Sephora. Mm-hmm. You know, that they would, you know hit me up. And, you know, later I found out that one of the um, people who worked there, a Black woman, you know, um, told um, the owner of Sephora about my work. And that's how I ended up told getting hired. Told the owner of Sephora about your work? Yeah, the owner and the chief marketing officer. And she's like, yeah, we should work with her this year. Wow. And it just happened. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And... And honestly, I didn't even know she was following me. I didn't, I didn't know, you know, anything was going on. But I think a big testament to just like posting and sharing my work, you don't you don't know who's watching. You don't yes. know who's like really noticing your work and like having you in their mind for something when the opportunity presents itself. Wow. And so when you you got this opportunity, you got this email, what what did it say? What were they, what was the project that they wanted you to work on them with? So the project, the first project I worked on them with, it was for an event called Sephoria. Okay. It's like a two-day event. It's almost like a beauty fun house where you're walking into like a huge, I don't want to call it stadium, but like a huge room where there's all of these different rooms built out from different brands and you can try on different makeups, get your hair done, mm-hmm. get your makeup done, try all these new things, but... They had me design the entire identity for the event. So, oh, wow. That's a yeah, big project. It was a crazy, like, first project to work with them. I was very, you know, scared, nervous, but I was just, like, ready. And it turned it <laughs> out, like, really great. But, mm-hmm. yeah, so I just, I don't know. I want to say it was about maybe 40 illustrations. And then I had to do, like, the logo for the event and, like, kind of build that out. So... Mm-hmm. It was it was crazy. It was on billboards. It was on Jeez. train wraps. It was like <laughs> everywhere. What do you remember insane. about like seeing like seeing your work on billboards and and on train wraps? Like, what was that like? It was honestly just insane. And you know, the event it was happening in California, so a lot of the stuff it was just like my friends and like people who followed my work just sending me stories like, I just saw this billboard of the Sephora thing. This is your work, right? And I'm like, it is. It is my work. Like, it was just it was just insane. Like, it wasn't something... What was insane to me was because I never dreamed of it happening. I mm-hmm. never really thought about it. But to see it actually happen, it was just like, wow. Like, I didn't know that my art could, you know, transform into all of these different things. Wow. And... What was that? What was that process like? Because right, like you, you are you know an independent graphic artist, and you're working with this this big corporation. What was that day to day process like for you? Yeah, so 
I feel like this was the biggest project I worked on at the time. So, you know, it was really intimidating, but luckily, like I have a lot of friends who are in creative fields, lots of producers, lots of people to ask like, oh, how much should I charge? How much is mm -hmm. this, blah, blah, blah. No, ask all, all of those logistical questions. But, you know, every day, um, I think there was like a timeline for the project. So that was really good. We were all on the same page. I knew when I was delivering things, I knew, when they were taking time to review everything. Mm -hmm. So it was a pretty, you know, good process. It wasn't too crazy as I thought it was gonna be, but, you know, it was very time consuming, mm. you know, and it was very hard juggling, you know, everything myself. Cause it was like, yeah, it was like 40 illustrations. And that's um, a lot of work. So it was a lot. And, you know, I wanna say it was like three rounds or maybe, no, it was like two rounds, you know, for illustration. So it's like a lot of back and forth. Mm -hmm. You're trying to, you know, flush out things. And, you know, if you change one thing, then you got to change the other thing. Sure. Then you got to, you know, everything is connected. So it was a lot. Wow. And so how did you, how are you managing it? You were just like, you're just working long hours trying to get towards the end of that? Like, yeah, just, you know, not sleeping as much, taking nights, you know, weekends, of course, I was working hard on it. Like, mm. That was just like my life for a while. And how much time, what did you have to, to execute? Um, I wanna say there was like a month or maybe like a month and a half. It was wow. pretty quick. Quick, quick turnaround. Yeah. Incredible. Mm -hmm. So you, you're doing this work and, and you're getting to, to work with Sephora and you're getting to, you know, really show who you are. Did you, you know, you had mentioned before, like when you were working with some brands, you had like these guidelines that you had to stick to. When it came mm -hmm. to this, um, how, you know, how much were you allowed to really show your own aesthetic? Besides the color palette, everything else, they were just like, oh, like, we just want you. Like, we specifically, mm -hmm. you know, want your style. So that's what really made the project fun. Yeah. Because I was just able to, like, run free and, like, present my ideas and just, like, have fun with it. Right, right. It's 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 incredible. We were talking to um, another artist um, named Lacey Jordan. And mm -hmm. uh, she was she was sharing with us about how she was working on another project with um with with Jordan Brand, and uh -huh. I, I think I to, I told you this before, but she was really um on their project. She was like was she felt like it was one of her first opportunities to just be her. They weren't looking for you know Lacey to to do Jordan. They were looking for Lacey to do Lacey, and and for you mm -hmm. and Sephora, it was like they were looking for Jade to be Jade. There, it's just such yeah. a powerful thing. Mm-hmm. And that just kind of, you know, set the precedent for every project, you know, going forward. Like, you don't want me for me. If you really don't want my style, then it's like, you can't work together. This isn't going to work. So, mm. yeah. When did you get mm -hmm. to that point, you feel like, where you were able to not feel kind of like that, you know, that that pressure to take a project because it was paid versus a project that you are actually interested in? Um, I think honestly that kind of happened where it's just like I was making such good money where it's like I could say no to things. Mm. You know what I mean? I wasn't like needing the money for anything. Like I was just fine. So I was able to say no to projects that just didn't feel right, that mm -hmm. I knew I couldn't really bring anything to the table where I'm just like, oh, like you shouldn't be working with me here. Here's my friend. You, sh you really want her style. You work <laughs> with her, you know, so... Yeah, like once I got to the point where it's like I wasn't like super thirsty for jobs, mm -hmm. I was able, I was in the position to say no. And I just kind of knew like, you know, I really want to create 
something for myself to where when people see my work, they automatically know it's mine. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I can't do that if I'm taking on whatever job that wants me to conform to whatever they need me to create at that time. So, right. yeah. Truly, truly. Um, as you think of what we've all been going through over the, the last year uh, with, with COVID, how's that impacted, you know, some of your work and, and actually how you work? Have you had to pivot? Um, have you had mm-hmm. to make any any changes? What's What's been going on? I think, like, when it comes to COVID, like, my overall motivation definitely slowed down a lot. Mm. Just because I, when COVID first happened, like, I was planning on having, like, a huge year. Like, I was working on really big projects in people events. And then that happened, and it's, like, all that work, all those months I spent working on stuff, it was gone. Wow. So because of that happened, like, I feel like my overall attitude was like really bad at that time. And I just really didn't feel like taking on anything. And then I remember there was like projects coming up and I'm like, should I even work on this? Like, mm. is it, you know, is it, you know, is it going to really even happen? Cause this was kind of when they were like, didn't actually know how long it was going to be at first. Oh, yeah. It was like, Oh, everybody thought we'd be back by the summer, you know, 2020. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that didn't happen at all. So Yeah, like, I feel like it kind of, like, messed up my mindset a bit. But then I was able to just, like, come back once I just was able to accept it. Like, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. I just had to accept, like, things aren't going to be like they used to be. You know, maybe even just, like, use this as a time to, like, work on more personal work, clean up my portfolio, but to just, like, keep moving forward and not feeling like, ugh, like, this this year is just gone. Yeah, you know? totally, totally. It's it's good to to hear you kind of share that sentiment because I think we're all, as we we think through this period, this it's a very strange time, and yeah. it, it can be difficult to stay motivated and inspired. Um, and so it's 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 really good to kind of hear like your perspective, and also I think just people feel like they're not the only ones feeling this way. Yeah, definitely not. Yeah, um, as you think through your career thus far. Um, You've been able to have some incredible projects so far and you've learned so much about, you know, valuing your worth and the projects you want to take on that you feel like best resonate with the brand you've created, um, Jade Purple Brown. Um, You're now doing apparel, which is incredible. Um, What advice would you have for young creatives with uh, entrepreneurial ideas? I would say just my number one advice is always just than to just focus on yourself and figure out what you truly want for yourself. Mm. I feel like nowadays there's a lot of distractions. Sometimes it's encouraging to see other people doing really great great things. And sometimes it can just be hard because you're like, damn, why aren't I doing this? Or like, Mm -hmm. you know, how do I get to this point? But I always tell people, focus on yourself. Do what you can do now. You know, everybody has to start somewhere. And I think that's hard for everyone to remember at times. And just to remember to just do what you can do, you know, practice as much as possible, but to really spend time with yourself and figure out what makes you unique, what makes you special, and figuring out to how to translate that into whatever you're doing. Mm. Because that's what's going to really set you apart. It's just you. And it sounds super corny, but like knowing yourself and figuring out what you really love and just like really channeling that and like, a creative way, it's going to bring you to the forefront for whatever you want to do, really. That was Jade Purple Brown, a student of design who knew to stay true to her blueprint. 
find out more about Jade and get access to all of our episodes at Apple Podcasts. Our show this week is produced by BJ Fergozo, original music, production, and scoring by Adrian Anaya, original music by Danny Castillo, Kinsley Barifatro, Orlando Kennedy, Melanie Jag, and vocals provided by Rosella. And special thanks also to VDOT, Professor H, Jordan Dinwiddie, Nick Pop, and Lily Lynn. I'm Bima, and you've been listening to Claim Us Stories.